Welcome to the Sex and Psychology Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Justin Lay Miller. I am a social psychologist and research fellow at the Kinsey Institute and author of the book, Tell Me What You Want, The Science of Sexual Desire and How It Can Help You Improve Your Sex Life. This is the second part in a two-part series on the psychology of dick pics. In the previous episode, we talked all about the dominant narratives we hear in the popular media about these photos, which include the idea that regardless of intent, dick pics are inherently violent, that they're a product of narcissism and poor mental health, that guys who send these photos are completely clueless about what women want, and that encountering dick pics is just to be expected if you use the internet. However, while there is a dark side to dick pics, specifically when they're sent without consent, there's also a positive side of them worth considering when all parties have agreed to share them. And that's what we're going to be talking about in this episode. We're going to talk about how consensual nudes can be an avenue to intimacy, a way of exploring and getting comfortable with your own body, and as a means of getting vulnerable and finding affirmation. We're also going to talk about what makes for a good dick pic anyway, and what guys who are thinking about sending these photos should know. I am joined once again by Dr. Andrea Walling, a senior research fellow at the Australian Research Center in Sex, Health, and Society at La Trobe University. Her current research project, titled Men, Sex, and Intimacy, explores how young heterosexual men in Australia are navigating and negotiating intimacy, sex, sexual health, and consent in the wake of Me Too politics. Her work has attracted over $2.8 million in competitive funding and has yielded over 70 publications. Her latest book is titled Exploring the Cultural Phenomenon of the Dick Pic. This is going to be a fascinating conversation. Stick around and we're going to jump in right after the break. Many of us find it easier to have sex than to talk about sex. And that's a problem when it comes to getting what you really want. This is why it's really important to learn how to build up your sexual communication skills and expand your sexual knowledge base. That's why I recommend checking out Beducated a revolutionary form of online sex education. They have an extensive library of courses you can take in the comfort of your own home designed to give you the sex ed you never got before so that you can communicate more effectively, develop deeper connections, and experience more pleasure. The content is incredible and there's so much to learn. Try all of their courses today for free and if you like what you see, you can get 50% off the yearly pass by using my last name, Laymiller, as the coupon code. There's also a 14-day money-back guarantee. Check the show notes for the link and be sure to use my last name to get your discount. Enjoy. The Kinsey Institute at Indiana University has been a trusted source for scientific knowledge and research on critical issues in sexuality, gender, and reproduction for over 75 years. Learn about recent research, events, and student activities at America's premier sex research institute in their recently released annual report on their website. Find it over at KinseyInstitute.org and be sure to follow them on social media at Kinsey Institute. Okay, Andrea, let's get back to talking about dick pics. So in the previous show, we talked about the main themes we hear about this subject in the popular media. Dick pics is harassment, dick pics is pathology, dick pics is humor, and dick pics is failed seduction. But you argue that there are other ways we should be thinking about them as well. And specifically, we should be thinking about them in a reparative fashion. So let me start there. What do you mean by that? What does it mean to think about dick pics reparatively? So to think about dick pics reparatively is to recognize what might be called a paranoid way of thinking. This is Eve Sedgwick's work where we always look for the issue. We look for trouble. 
we look for the challenges and things. And this is really kind of quite prominent in a lot of the work that we do in sexuality studies is that we kind of look for the difficulties and the challenges and the in the forms of marginalization and oppression and kind of unpacking those and how they're functioning and forming and what they're doing. And so what Eve is kind of arguing there is to kind of, we need to find a way to not necessarily move away from that entirely, but find another way to also look at these things. And so she argues for a reparative position in kind of plain terms. This idea of the reparative is to look for pleasure is to look for a surprise or an unknown and to be open to a different way of thinking that doesn't just fall immediately into what we might call a paranoid way of thinking. Often dick pics are seen through a paranoid lens. They're violent, they're pathology, they're a medical issue. Men don't understand women. It's a form of humor, but this is kind of doing really negative things. And all of those are valid readings because they are valid readings, but it also shows that there's a multitude of ways that we can think about dick pics. So I think in that we need to think about what else is happening. And so the reparative allows us to look at what is possible for a dick pic or for our understandings of a dick pic or indeed anything that doesn't fall into an immediate kind of negative rating of what's going on. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. So let's dive into some of those reparative ways of thinking about dick pics. One of them that you talk about in the book is, you know, there's this whole narrative out there of the penis as grotesque. And we hear this discourse all the time. You know, penises and scrotums are ugly and gross, and it's become normalized to talk about it that way in a lot of contexts. You know, for example, I've heard in many a female comedian's onstage routine, them making these pejorative comments about the appearance of the penis or balls. And, you know, I've seen it time and again on social media, everywhere. But when we frame penises and dick pics as inherently disgusting, that can close the door to looking at sexting in general as an opportunity for intimacy, right? You know, there are some women who do enjoy seeing dick pics, but they may feel as though they can't even acknowledge that because they're not supposed to, because there's this broader narrative of the penis is disgusting. So tell us a little bit more about this and how dick pics, if you think about them differently, can actually be an avenue toward intimacy. It's an interesting one. Like when we first started getting commentaries about dick pics, one of the biggest ones was, oh, they're really gross. They're disgusting. Nobody wants to look at that. Men are stupid for thinking women want this. Women don't want this. And so it meant that women who do enjoy dick pics, as you noted, were feeling really kind of taken aback and then felt ashamed for being like, actually, I do like a dick pic in certain context. And so, and what you said about the comedians is interesting. And I think there's a part of the kind of making fun of penises and scrotum can be a bit of a a pushback against the ways in which women's bodies are framed as gross. The vagina is framed and the vulva is framed as gross unless it looks a particular way, if it's hairless, if the labia is really small or almost non-existent, like if it's really small, if it's not puffy, like all that kind of stuff. And so I can kind of understand too the pushback, well, well, let's talk about the penis as gross and grotesque because our bodies get talked about that in all kinds of ways. And then we have all these surgeries that we can have to change them or aesthetic practices. But what we're doing is when we're saying it's gross and saying it's inherently gross, we're kind of creating this idea that, as you noted, it's not okay to like a dick pic or the look of a penis, which I think is very interesting and in some ways very queer phobic because if you're a bi man, man who sex with men, or, you know, whatever gender and you enjoy having sex with men or having sex with somebody who has a penis, like 
of course, you might desire the penis, so you might desire the way it looks, the way it feels, the aesthetic, all of that kind of stuff really plays an important part in those experiences. So we're being quite kind of antibodies in some ways and, and a bit phobic in those ways. And the, and the other thing is, you're right, it really limits the potential for intimacy and the potential to engage that. And so one form of intimacy that comes through is there was this blog, it doesn't exist anymore because Tumblr got, you know, in 2018 or 19, they did their whole shift where they weren't allowing sexual content anymore. And there was a blog where you sent a dick pic that you didn't want. And I think the idea of the blog was meant to be a place for people to send in dick pics they received to make fun of them. But it really became a place for men to send dick pics to be humiliated and shamed and wanting that. So these men are kind of coming at it from through a kind of BDSM lens and a kink lens of presenting themselves as submissive. They talked about wanting their cocks locked in cages. They wanted to be shamed for the size. If it was really small, they wanted to be shamed for the aesthetic, the way it looked. They really were looking for that as a kind of sexual arousal. So that's where this idea of the grotesque comes in. Cause I'm using grotesque, not as in it's gross, but as in turning on top of its head that what we expect to be seen as problematic. And in fact, the grotesque kind of really turns it on its head and actually shows different ways of desire and arousal through what we would assume to be gross, but actually is different. And so I think in this particular way of looking at it, we can see through this narrative of the grotesque that people are finding pleasure and arousal and are enjoying that. And it's, and it's a valid experience for them. And so this blog was so interesting because what was meant to be, I think, a place of genuine shame, it actually became a place of shame for arousal and for wanting to engage that and having people make fun of you because it was getting you off. And it really shifted into a more kind of kink BDSM space, which I think is really interesting. It also shows how even something like the grotesque can be reshaped into something as a form of pleasure. And that's where the penis really fit into that. Yeah. So interesting and makes me miss the the glory days of Tumblr. You know, it yeah. used to be the place <laughs> to be Tumblr, for yeah. sexuality discussions. Yes, but not so much anymore. So as we've been talking about, you know, there are some women who do enjoy dick pics. And something that you talked about in your work is that many women seem to have a clear idea about what makes for a good dick pic. And that was so interesting to me. So tell us, what do women say a good dick pic has to have or look like? Yeah. So a good dick pic is a really considered piece of photography. So what that means can depend on all kinds of factors, but I think it's not a quick shot that you took and you put no effort into it. So a good dick pic thinks about lighting. It thinks about the setting. It thinks about hand placement. It thinks about the body placement. It thinks about what bed sheets have you got? Or did you put a filter on it to change the tone? Or is it a cum shot? Or is it a semi shot? Is it a hard shot? Like what is happening in all of that? And so for a lot of women, it can range. Some women said that good dick pics showed more of the body. So the it's not just a close-up of the penis, but actually you see more of the torso of the legs and all, and all of that happening. You've got a strategically placed bed sheet, or it could be something like a bulge shot where you're not quite seeing the penis, you're just seeing the bulge of it through a pair of sweatpants, which is something that a lot of women really enjoy. Or, you know, it can be thinking about creative placements or creative lighting, or if it's in the shower, the way the water droplets are kind of dropping off, all of that is playing a part. So what's really important if, you know, and if someone's listening and they're thinking about sending a dick pic and they want it to be good, 
pay attention to some of that because part of that is that women, when they're sending, you know, dirty photos, we're not just taking a random shot. A lot of them, you know, it's carefully placed body parts. It's carefully arranged lingerie. It's really thinking critically about what that looks like, the lighting, the setting, all of that. And so a good dick pic is really something that is carefully thought about. It's not just a quick shot and then you've just sent it to 20 million people. <laughs> yeah, so not all dick pics are created equal. You know? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> And it is important to think about those things like angle and lighting and all that other stuff. Because, yeah, there's there's a big difference in terms of how that might be received or perceived on the other end for various reasons. One is that if you put more effort into it, you know, that might show that you've actually, you know, thought about this, right? Versus if you're just snapping the quickest picture that you can, that says something about you and how you're approaching this, right? So it's not just about getting the fastest picture you can. It's about making sure the quality and the aesthetic is there. So in your book, you also talk about dick pics as a way for people to construct a sense of self as desirable to others by sharing their photos in online forums. So for example, there's this subreddit called Softies, where people will post their dick pic and other people will talk about them. So tell us a little bit about what you learned from this Softies subreddit. So our Softies is a really great subreddit, I think, because it is it is literally just men posting photos of their penis in a soft state and getting little comments. And there's there's actually several of these kinds of subreddits as well. I think there's another one where it's big softies. So it's where your penis is soft and large. So you're you're a shower rather than a grower, I guess is the, the phrasing. I think what was really interesting about our softies is it's the idea of kind of really showing the penis in a soft, vulnerable state and finding that as another way of, of arousal and being desirable. Because in reality... The penis is not hard all day, every day, even though we expect it to be. It's often in a soft state or in a semi-hard state, depending on the situation. And That is true. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and so what tends to happen, of course, is that we know, and, and this, this isn't just for straight men, it's for anybody with a penis and they're having sex, that there can be a lot of anxiety around being hard and staying hard. And you see that, you see that in sexual relations that you might have with others or just in, you see it in discourse and movies and all kinds of things. But it's a very real experience in that if there's something going on psychologically or there's something going on physically, the penis may not get hard and that can make, often make or break sexual situations because we live in a culture where penetrative sex is deemed as the only valuable sex. And so if you don't have a hard penis, you're seen as not being interesting or valuable in a sexual relation anymore, which is really, really upsetting because it means then it shuts down any other kinds of intimacy and kinds of sex that aren't reliant on a hard penis and penetration. And it it's relying again on that kind of idea of the male orgasm as pinnacle, but you can have all kinds of sex that don't lead to orgasms that can be long and intimate or can just be about touch and pleasure and all kinds of things. So the R Reddit softies, I think is a really interesting way to kind of, even though they're not necessarily saying all of that, it just kind of alludes to this idea that a soft penis is still desirable. It can still be lovely. It doesn't always have to be hard for it to be a good sexual situation, you know, and I think that's what it does really well. The other side of it that I also think is interesting is it, it kind of allows for an expression of vulnerability. So we often don't allow 
especially cishet men, we don't allow them to express any kind of vulnerability. If they do, it's like an affront to masculinity and all those kinds of things. And I think what art, the softies read, it really does is it allows for an expression of vulnerability around a body part that we do not show. And when we do ever show it, it's either in a phallic representation, or if we see it in porn, it's like, you know, 12 inches and constantly hard. You don't really see it in a soft state unless it's kind of home produced amateur porn. So not, not professionally produced amateur porn, but home produced like only fans and things like that. And so I think it really allows for that vulnerability and allows men. And it also, what it does is there's that notion of the possibility of hardness, which I think is a really interesting arousal idea. The idea that it's soft now, can you imagine the possibility of it as hard, what that could look like or what that could be? So there's something kind of enticing about that, that I think the Reddit does really well. And so what it's really doing is it's it's taking ideas about what we think should be desiring and arousing and kind of turning it on its head a little bit and saying there are other ways that we can desire the penis in other forms. And this can do all kinds of really interesting things. And so there's several Reddits, actually, there's actually quite a lot of pornography related Reddits of all kinds of bodies, and you can find them for vulvas and, and vaginas and all of that as well. But I think our softies is a really good one to kind of play with some of our preconceived notions about what a penis should look like sexually and how it can actually look in different settings and forms. Yeah, so interesting. I've never seen that subreddit, but now I have to go check it out because you've piqued my curiosity. But it does remind me, you know, as you were talking about this, I, I've had this idea in mind for a study for years. I just never got around to doing it, but it was to look at sort of the qualitative nature of the dick pics that people are sending. And so how often, what percentage of the time is the penis hard versus soft? And, you know, is it clothed versus unclothed? Like what counts as a dick pic? Like, I think there's a really interesting study to be done there. I just don't have enough hours in the day to study all the dick pics and do all the sex research because there's just an endless number of fascinating questions to ask. I was just going to say, I think a dick pic is literally a picture of a dick and then it's whatever that goes off to, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I think when you hear the word dick pic, a lot of people have like a very specific image that comes to mind of like what that might look like. But I think different people are going to have very different looking images come to mind. You know, for some people, it's going to be gray sweatpants and pole. For other people, it's going to be full nude, uh, close up, other things, you know. So yeah, there's definitely an interesting study to be done there. But as part of your work, you also interviewed a number of cisgender heterosexual men. And one of the things you found is that sexting and sending dick pics specifically can be a way that they get vulnerable, explore their bodies and ask for affirmation. And I thought that was really fascinating because I hadn't necessarily stopped to think about, you know, how dick pics are a way of kind of exploring and learning about your own body and sexuality. So tell us a bit more about what you learned from those interviews. Yeah, so the biggest thing that came out from those interviews was this idea of vulnerability and body image anxiety. And we know in the same way that it's the same for women, we don't have really good diverse representation of penises that are available to men in the same way that we don't have diverse representations of vulvas for women. And so what a lot of young men are seeing is coming from porn. And I'm not anti-porn by any means, but I do recognize that in mainstream porn, it's a particular kind of large, hard cut veiny penis. And so to find variety, you have to like actively look for it. And then to actively look for variety, you have to know the language of what you're looking for. So if you don't have the language 
of diversity, or you're not even aware that there is the possibility of diversity, then you're not going to know how to find it and then feel a bit more affirmed in what that is, right? So, and we we don't have that at all really for men. We, we have that more for women now, but that's because women have really kind of pulled together and really pushed for it because of centuries of oppression and, and body oppression and things like that. But we don't have that for men because we haven't necessarily done it. We do have it for queer men. We have seen it for several decades now, particularly in, in the pushback against certain kinds of bodies with the emergence of bear communities and things like that. So that's happening. But for cis straight men, because they don't, we condition them to not talk about how they're feeling and to not be ashamed of their bodies and all this kinds of stuff, not to be ashamed in different kinds of ways. Like there's just that diversity just doesn't exist. So for the men that I interviewed, what they were really finding with sending dick pics is to kind of know that their penis was okay because they don't have that diversity. They're not really sure if the size is okay. They're not sure is the aesthetic. Okay. They don't even know whether or not being cut. So being circumcised matters or not, or you know, I had one participant, I remember this one clearly, he talked about, he's always a bit worried because his penis kind of angles to the left a little bit and just things like that. And, and just being really worried about a lot of that. And I think it's a valid worry that they have just in terms of the fact that we don't have the representation for them to be like, yes, this is okay. And also, because I think for women as well, women aren't necessarily exposed to diverse representation of penises either. So they may not necessarily know what they need to find or look for or how they think it should look. Not that it should look a particular way, but it becomes a really messy kind of complex space. So to kind of send a dick pic in a consensual setting, it was to get reassurance that they were valued as well as, as kind of sexy and desired which isn't necessarily something we see a lot of. We're seeing more of it now, but there's a lot of complexities around that too. But it really helped them for that. And the other thing that it was really doing was creating a sense of intimacy. So one one of the reasons that they liked sexting and sending dick pics was it allowed for a creation of intimacy with some of their partners and relationships they were having. And it actually meant that they were then more comfortable with each other in having sex with each other when they came together in person again, because they'd had done all this kind of sexting and sending dirty images of the genitalia. When they got together, some of the kind of preconceived ideas or maybe anxieties or insecurities weren't necessarily there because they'd already seen it in a photo. So it didn't matter anymore. And they loved it in the photo. So it was almost like that risk of potential body rejection in person gets significantly lessened when you're sending these images because you're not there in person. And so if they love the image, then they're going to, not necessarily that they will or won't love you in person, but it just kind of takes away some of that anxiety around potential rejection. And that actually meant that the sex was better because there was more of a connection developed, more of an intimacy developed and not as much insecurity or inhibitions around it. So I think for men, like it was a really important thing. And just some of the questions they had too about, they just, you know, they just weren't sure, you know, is it okay if I'm cut? I don't really know. What does that mean? Like, does it matter? Just some of that, I think, are also questions to kind of reflect on more broadly. Like, what is it that people want when it comes to penis appearance? Does it matter? I don't think it should matter. In the same way that I don't think a vulva appearance should matter, but it just, we're kind of in a space where people are asking those questions. Yeah, so many interesting points you've raised there. And, you know, I think it is really important to mention and highlight, you know, that for a lot of 
men, they don't really see a lot of other penises other than maybe what they see in porn, which they may recognize might be unrealistic in, in some ways, because, you know, most of the men in porn are gargantuan in terms of their penis size. So, you know, having a reference point for, you know, how do other people feel, think about my penis. Like a, a lot of people are just kind of in the dark when it comes to that kind of information. And so, yeah, there can be that affirmation and validation that people get from this. Now, you know, I must admit your book did get me to think differently about dick pics. And, you know, I think it's important to, again, highlight and clarify that, you know, while you talk about sort of the positive side, this reparative way of thinking about dick pics, you know, that negative side does exist too. We need to acknowledge both. And so, you know, ultimately, I think what you're calling for is that we need to have more nuanced conversations about dick pics. And anybody who calls for more nuance and talking about something is a friend of mine, right? <laughs> because I think <laughs> talking about anything sex-related, there's always nuance. But I have just a couple more questions for you. And, you know, one of them is after having done all of this research and putting out a book on the subject, what has the reaction been? You know, we're dealing with a controversial subject here. So what has the reaction been to your work? You know, it's so funny. And I say this every time. I haven't really had any negative reactions. I think academically, people don't necessarily like the work that I'm doing, particularly people who are very much invested in a particular way of thinking about men and men's bodies and sexuality that comes from a kind of place where it is about violence and harm. And what my book is trying to do is say, yes, that is a very valid way of thinking. It's a very real way of thinking. And I'm not saying that it's not like, this is a bit off topic, but even just the reaction to the Barbie movie and men's reaction to the Barbie movie and how negative that's been really just shows that we're nowhere near where we need to be when it comes to this kind of thing. And so that way of thinking is so valid and it's it will always be valid to me. I just think that we get stuck, like we get stuck in a way of thinking that we don't then allow ourselves to think a little bit differently. Or if we do, then we're seen as a traitor to the original way of thinking. Or like, I think a lot of people really struggle to hold multiple ways of understanding something at once. So what my book has been trying to do is say, actually, let's hold multiple ways of thinking about this one kind of object, the dick pic and recognize that all of these ways of thinking are valid and true and they get entangled in very different ways. It's not one or the other, it's all of it. And that we need to approach life, I think, in that way a little bit more, particularly around sex, because I think with sex, it's not just one way or the other. Like I'm not someone who's going to be like, you know, Andrew Dworkin and Catherine McKinnon who are like, sex is always violent towards women no matter what they do. Therefore, sex with men is always bad. It's not like there's so many other things that are happening um, that we have to think about in a more nuanced way. So there's that kind of reaction. But, I, and, you know, hilariously, and I say this all the time, no one's really tr like just sent me a dick pic. I had someone email me requesting to send me one. I didn't respond back because it was a lengthy email. I need to respond back. It was very kindly worded. And I appreciated that they asked to send it. I just, I'm just very mindful that I don't want to encourage something that isn't actually needs to be encouraged sort of thing. So that was the only time I've ever been sent something based on my book about dick pics, but I've not actually received random dick pics in my inbox. I've even on Twitter, I think someone sent me a random photo and I was like, oh gosh, here we go. And it was of a rose. It wasn't <laughs> a dick pic. So it was actually <laughs> hilariously a little bit like, oh, not, I don't want to say disappointed, but just 
what I, I expected it to be a dick pic and it was a picture of a rose instead. I was like, oh, okay, this is a bit different. <laughs> I don't know if it's because I study dick pics, people are like, oh, well, I'm not going to send one to her because she might critique it or something, which I would never do. I would never do that. But I haven't had a bad reaction, which is nice because the work that my research center does can get a very negative reaction. We do so much work supporting, you know, LGBTQ plus people and the amount of violence and hostility that we get is pretty awful. So I'm really glad that the reaction to my book hasn't been too bad, but I haven't been super public with it either. Like I haven't done media releases, like I'm doing this, which is great, but like this is within a particular context. It's not across a million newspapers. So overall the reaction hasn't been too bad. I worry a little bit. I worry that people won't like it, but I think everyone worries that people won't like their stuff. So I don't think that's the topic. I could write about anything and I'm sure I'd worry about people liking it or not liking it. And at the end of the day, I have to think, well, people like it, great. And if they don't, that's on them. It's not on me. So, or it could be on me if I was saying really awful things, but I don't think I say anything awful in there. (laughs) No, I think your book is very, very thoughtful, very nuanced and has a lot of important information in it. Now, I have one last question for you, which I'm sure you get all the time. Do you have any advice you would share when it comes to guys who want to send dick pics? You know, from everything you've learned, is there like a top piece of advice or two that you would want to share with them? Yeah, I mean, the first thing, which is what everyone says, don't just send it, like ask and make sure it's in the right context. Like if you're just chatting with a woman normally and then you asked to send a dick pic and you were talking about your favorite coffee like that's ridiculous don't do that um <laughs> you know if you're gonna send a dick pic you send it if the two of you are sexting like you're actually engaging in that kind of conversation where it's going somewhere the second advice i'd say around that is don't just send one right away build up to it if your guys are engaging in kind of a sexting thing something that came through my research is that there's a lot of fun and pleasure in the buildup. And so if you're going to send something, send something with your shirt off or something with like your hand down your pants a little bit, like just kind of build up to the actual dick pics to kind of play around in that space and not again, right off the bat. Um, The third thing is, I say this just because I think I need to say this, but to not pressure women to send dirty photos back. Like you're not owed a dirty photo, even if you send one, if you send one, you are not owed one back and to not pressure them. And then I guess the fourth thing is obviously if you are sending photos with each other, make sure that it's being done in a way that you're being respectful to each other and that you're not going to share it with other people. Because we have this narrative that if you send a dirty photo, then you can't control it and it can get out in the world. But the issue isn't that you can't control it and get out in the world. The issue is the person who's broken that trust to perpetuate it. That's the issue. And that's what we don't focus on enough. We kind of blame the person who sent the photo and not actually the person who shared it. And then in terms of taking a photo, I think, as I said earlier, put some effort into it. Make sure it's not just a random shot, but you're putting a little bit of effort into how it looks. And I know that's a bit hard to do if you're doing a kind of live sexting, but just kind of take a little bit of of time to put something together and to to make it look nice. And I think the biggest thing is just be respectful always be respectful. Those would be the the advice, but definitely just don't just send one. Like just, I know like some (laughs) men might send one and maybe someone might be like, yeah, that looks great, but it's so rare. And you just kind of put off so many people when you do a a spam people with it. Like it's just not, it's not going to get you anywhere. I think the technical term is dick bombing. 
Yeah, dick bombing. Okay, so don't dick bomb. Like it just, it may get one person, but probably won't. And you're actually losing so many opportunities with potential people who you might be interested in having casual sex with. And they might be interested in having casual sex with you if that's what you're looking for. But you've just lost it because you've already shown that you don't respect And that's the biggest thing for women if they're engaging in casual sex. The biggest thing that they're looking for is safety and respect. So when you're doing things like that, they're not interested um, because they immediately read you as unsafe. And it may not be fair, but it's just we live in the world where that's our reality. We have to do that. We have to assess men on those on very binary ways to keep our safety. So be kind, be courteous, ask first, make some effort. And don't dick bomb. So Yeah, yeah, don't dick bomb. Yes. And yeah, don't expect anything in return. Like if she doesn't want to send you something, that's her business. Yep. I think that's all great advice. Thank you so much for this amazing conversation, Andrea. It was a pleasure to have you here. Can you please tell my listeners where they can go to learn more about you and your work? Where people can learn about my work is that they can navigate to my Latrobe profile. So just kind of look up Latrobe Scholar and then put my name in. They can buy the book if they wanted to at Routledge or Taylor and Francis online. And they can follow me on Twitter at Dr. Andrea Walling. And I will be sure to include links to all of those things in the show notes. So thank you again so much for your time. I really appreciate having you here. And thank you to my listeners. To keep up with new episodes of this podcast, visit my website, Sex and Psychology at sexandpsychology.com or subscribe on your favorite platform where I hope you'll take a moment to rate and review the show. You can also follow me on the socials for daily sex research updates. I'm on Twitter at Justin Laymiller and Instagram at Justin J. Laymiller. Also, be sure to check out my book, Tell Me What You Want. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Thank you.